it's time to join Montana's very own and your voice for agriculture, Talking Ag Lane Nordland, for today's LaneCast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the LaneCast Ag Podcast. Lane Nordland, happy to have you with us joining the agriculture conversation. On today's show, you're in for a treat. The director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Aurelia Skipwith, joins us discussing the recovered grizzly bear populations in Montana and surrounding regions and much more. Don't go away. We'll have more right after this message. Farmers and ranchers, cattle feeders, stalkers, auction markets, and processing plants are not only important components to the beef supply chain. They are an important tax base for rural America and are a provider of jobs and income in small communities across the nation. The coronavirus pandemic has sent shockwaves through the markets, communities, and our way of life. The National Cattlemen's Beef Association continues to work on your behalf each and every day with all levels of the supply chain and with government officials to get us through this crisis. We are all in this together. We hear you and we need your help to move this industry forward. Welcome back to today's program. As promised, is the director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service from the Department of Interior, Aurelia Skipwith, joins us here today. She's actually in Great Falls, Montana, and I was actually only about 30 minutes away from Great Falls most of this week helping ship calves, but had to come back to Bozeman to uh, face reality. So, Aurelia, I'm sorry we can't meet in person and do this interview, but uh, how are you doing? And and welcome back to the uh, Big Sky State. You know, Lane, thanks so much, and um, I'm glad that we're still able to make this happen, even though it's not face-to-face. I'm looking forward to when we can sit down together in the in the same area, um, and I'm glad to be uh, back here in Montana. Um, I have family ranging from Alzada all the way to Stevensville, so um, it definitely feels like, you know, I'm back home, and so thank you for, thank you for having me, and being able to talk about what we're doing here at the Fish and Wildlife Service and at Department of Interior. Well, uh, you, you mentioned Alzada to Stevensville. That literally spans the state of Montana. So that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that that's a lot of driving just to see family. But you know what? That's the best thing about Montana. You can see so many different landscapes and meet a lot of people. And and uh, Aurelia, I know there's a lot of folks up in, in Great Falls and, and on the Rocky Mountain front that are really looking forward to, to your, uh, your thoughts and comments uh, coming up here today as you join U.S. Senate. Steve Danes and multiple stakeholders. When it comes to discussing the the grizzly bear, its recovery, and the Endangered Species Act, uh, can can you fill us in on on what uh, exactly uh, your your goal is and what you will be working with Senator Danes on here today as you discuss uh, the grizzly bear with so many different stakeholders? Yeah, so this is, you know, I want to say and give a huge shout out and a thank you to Senator Danes for hosting this roundtable. It really shows his leadership uh, his commitment to the constituents, to the to the ranchers, to the people who make a living off the land. Um, and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, you know, for years we have said the grizzly bear is recovered. Um, and we continue to face lawsuits uh, that keep the bear on the list. Um, and when you reach biologically being recovered, uh, that should be a celebration. So this is a roundtable to talk about um How do we find other methods to be able to provide relief as we're seeing that uh, the landscape that the grizzly bear is on continues to expand? Um, So although we're having that successful recovery, we're now seeing more human and grizzly bear conflicts that goes from everything from livestock depredations to site conflicts with 
garbage, chickens, dog food, property damage, you know, across the board. Um, we've had Secretary Bernhardt out here as well uh, to talk about this issue. Um, and in that, we have seen um, ideas that have been put forward. And one of those was um, putting more money towards making decisions when it comes to grizzly bear. And so entered into a new MOU um, with USDA Wildlife Services to help address the conflicts um, that were happening on the ground here in Montana. And so that shows that um, Senator Gaines, when he hears the problems and the issues, um, he's looking for those solutions. And that's the leadership that we continue to see uh, throughout here in Montana uh, with Gia Forte, with child Troy Downing. And I really appreciate me being able to come here and and talk to the people um, to see how the Fish and Wildlife Service can continue to uh, work with stakeholders. And when you work with stakeholders, obviously the, the administration and the department's top priority is looking at the, the science of recovery, the actual meaning of the Endangered Species Act, the legislation that was created to protect uh, species uh, from the brink of extinction. What, what is that message you share with, with so many different uh, parties that are interested in the grizzly bear conversation when it comes to the conversation of science? So my background is I'm a biologist and I'm also a lawyer. So every decision that I make is based in sound science. Um, it's rooted in the law. And then there is a piece that's called common sense. And so the decisions that we make every single day at the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is based on law and science. And so when we look at that data and we say, yes, the population, it has reached that recovery goal. Let's use those resources to to have a positive impact on imperiled species that need that help and turn the management of the grizzly bear back over to the states. Um, and instead, what we see are lawsuits that are filed by these environmental groups that say that they care about uh, these species. But in reality, it's it's just a campaign to keep funding more and more lawsuits and their advocacy. And um, the goal is, it's not about that. It's about making sure that the private landowners, ranchers, um, the various federal um, agencies and other organizations who have put money on the ground, um, who've helped bring back uh, the grizzly bear from um, um, being on the list and being endangered to now, being recovered, that is what should drive these decisions. Um, and that's the message that we're, that we are working to get out is it's recover. Let's turn the management back over to the states and help the species where the science says that they need, that they need that assistance. And as we look at a species that has been recovered and uh, really a management plan is in place in places like 
Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, the, the greater Yellowstone region is the the wolf. Uh, it was reintroduced, you know, many, many, a few years back and has a thriving population. It, it was also a species that really challenged uh, wildlife uh, uh, population issues. Uh, uh, we also saw a lot of depredation when it comes to, to livestock as well. But now we have uh, a fully recovered species. States are, are taking over management. How can we parallel uh, the the wolf's delisting and the grizzly bear's delisting and looking at science, common sense, and also just working with multiple parties to, to have the, the science and the education out there for everyone to to see the, the real results. You know, I, I appreciate that question, Lane, because it's having discussions like these, um, having you ha- talking with the interior, talking with the Fish and Wildlife Service, um, recognizing Senator Daines, who is talking with the stakeholders, the people that are feeling the impact. Um, It's the education piece that's missing. Um, You have people, you have these environmental groups that are out there spreading their message, and it's disinformation. Um, The science shows that, like grizzly bears, the wolves are recovered. Um, And, you know, we're, we're in the midst of, you know, dealing with that right now, where um, there was a lawsuit that challenged our delisting rule. Um, and so getting the information out um, through through the different media outlets to educate people that um, the science should rule what the decisions, the decisions that are being made, because at the end of the day, um, it's a lot of effort. Uh, we, um, as as within the regulations and the law, like there has to be a management place, management plan in place um, for that for that species to once it reaches recovery to be delisted, so it goes back to state management. Um, so we look at all of those at all of those factors, um, and so it should be a celebration um, when when we reach those recovery goals for wolves, like we have for for bears. Um, and just looking for that day where we can celebrate and actually celebrate and not have to go back to court um, waiting for a judge to make that decision for us. Yeah, you and I have met, gosh, I don't know if it was first the Public Lands <laughs> Council or the American Sheep Industry Association or through the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. I don't know the exact exact first time we met. It's always so great to hear uh, the, the all the work that is going on at the DOI and the uh, uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service uh, with your leadership. Uh, and with that, you understand the important uh, role that, that livestock producers, whether that's sheep or cattle, play in the multi-use of our public lands. Whether that's the short time that they graze on our public lands, uh, taking off forage that uh, could be a real hazard for wildfires and helping be a, a good steward of these lands. But as I mentioned, it's the multi-use purpose of our public lands and, and, and uh, ranchers support that multi-use and that includes different uh, stakeholders, outdoorsmen, hunters, uh, folks that just uh, love the aspect of public lands. Uh, Let's talk maybe about sportsmen and women when it comes to public lands and and opportunities that that they have maybe regained or or are are coming about because of the hard work of the DOI and the Trump administration. Oh, yeah, it has been phenomenal since President Trump has come in. Um, And the, the motto is, Public lands are your lands. They're lands for the American people. 
And so since President Trump has been, um, since 2017, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, we have opened more than 4 million acres for hunting and fishing on public lands in our refuges and our hatcheries. Um, and this year alone, it was 2.3 million acres. Um, and so that's phenomenal. And it goes to show that it is about that balance um, and it's seeing what is that multiple uh, use of the lands. And when you look at conservation, um, it's, it's a balance. You know, the land um, has multiple uses. It has multiple users. And uh, knowing that our sports women and men are those true advocates of conservation um, because they're the ones that are paying those taxes. And it feeds back into that system of management for, uh, manage for, management for the habitat, management for the wildlife species and their populations. Um, and so without, without our sportsmen and women, uh, we wouldn't see the species being able to flourish the way that they do. Um, and it was an honor for me in August of this year when President Trump signed into law the Great American Outdoors Act. Um, and I was there at that ceremony. And so was Senator Daines. And um, the president, you know, handed the podium over. And Senator Daines gave some remarks because, you know, he was the champion behind the Great American Outdoors Act. And this is revolutionary. Um, it is going to help with the deferred maintenance, which is over $1.3 billion within the Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, it's also going to, uh, you know, help with how do we create an infrastructure within the service? So it's not just what we're doing today, but making sure that we are looking into the future for next generation so that we have healthy lands healthy populations. Um, and so it was just an honor to, you know, be here in Montana knowing that uh, Senator Daines was the, the champion for that. Uh, another question that I have is if we bring up sportsmen and, and outdoorsmen, what, what are some ideas or maybe some collaboration uh, where education uh, can be at the forefront of, of where uh, limestone producers and, and outdoorsmen can come together to discuss uh, each other's roles in conservation? Because sometimes uh, uh, some outdoorsmen don't understand the the, the role of livestock grazing on, on public lands. And I know we're getting more into the BLM aspect of things, uh, but what are some tools that or, or resources or maybe an opportunity where uh, these different groups can come together to talk about the overall goal of he having healthy wildlife, healthy, healthy resources through this multi-use of our public lands. Yeah, and I think it's having forums, um, uh, kind of like the roundtable that we're having today, but having it a broader conversation of, you know, what are the, who are the multiple users of the land and being able to, to have that um open and candid conversation of um, knowing at certain times that, you know, the, the cattle are, are grazing on the land and that management of the land is then actually beneficial for that other time and that other season for, for there to be hunting. So uh, having that understanding of the, the multiple users 
the different the different seasons um, really helps to then say how do we work together so that we can see that there is a common there is a common ground of conservation at the end of the day because taking care of the land um, then the land will take care of you regardless of if you're the sportsman uh, if you're the rancher or you're just the person that wants to go out for a hike um, and at the end of the day that's what we all want to see. Um, so having that common ground really is the way for us to start those conversations to know that we're really at the, on the same page. You, you mentioned earlier in our conversation the importance uh, of, of telling the, the correct story through science and, and uh, to help with reporting on, on multiple media levels. I don't know if you saw any of the threads over the, the past few days. 60 Minutes ran a story on, on the grizzly bear here in Montana. And a few months ago, uh, they, they interviewed uh, many stakeholders on the ranching end of things up on Montana's Rocky Mountain Front. And when it aired this past Sunday, they didn't include any one of those uh, individuals that are impacted uh, uh, because of depredation, the impact that they have with a grizzly bear literally just hanging out in their backyard out in rural Montana. And uh, some of those ranchers literally just described it as feel-good reporting and not covering the subject. And I'm not asking for your opinion on this news piece, but how can uh, the the ranching community uh, better themselves when it comes to looking at these science and having these conversations to better equip themselves when it comes to maybe an online discussion? or a roundtable discussion with people that overall have the same goal of seeing a recovery of a species, but they have different opinions on getting there. What would that take be? Number one um, is first getting getting species like the grizzly bear, uh, for example, the wolves, off of the list and returning it back to state management. Um, that, is our, that is our number one priority. And in the interim, um, for example, what grizzly bears... Uh, we entered into a memorandum of agreement with Wildlife Services where the Fish and Wildlife Service gives $250,000 to Wildlife Services to help um, with management um, when we have or when there are those uh, human-animal um, conflicts uh, because we know that that has a detrimental impact, um, especially an economic impact. And, you know, until the until uh, grizzly bears are delisted, we're having to come up with ways to provide solutions. Um, and the people that are most impacted are the ones that can give us that advice and guide us on to what we can do until we can get the species off the list. Um, so that was one thing was when Secretary Bernhardt came out and there was that round table, the result of that was saying, let us help. Um, and the way that we can do that is getting more people on the ground to be able to react faster and quicker uh, to these conflicts that are, that are occurring. So we, you know, we want to hear those ideas. We, we want to hear what can we do to help relieve that pressure until we can get these species off the list. 
Well, it's going to be a, a big day for, for uh, the, the discussion of, of grizzly bear management up there in Great Falls, Montana. Aurelia, anything else that you would just like to, to share with our listeners here today on the work uh, of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, uh, the Trump administration's work on, on Endangered Species Acts and, and support for outdoorsmen and, and livestock producers before I let you get back to your day in uh, Montana's Electric City? President Trump, Secretary Bernhardt, um, they are committed to the American people. Uh, you've seen it as um, since this administration has come on board, we have um, published new regulations when it comes to the Endangered Species Act, making sure that the act is implemented the way that it should be. Um, we are committed to the American people by um, figuring out ways, having these conversations to co- provide other solutions, um, such as being able to address uh, conflicts more quickly. Um, And you can also see uh, President Trump, uh, Senator Dane's leadership um, on the forefront by having us come here, talking to the people, talking to the ranchers, figuring out other solutions, but then also knowing that your public lands are your public lands, making sure that they're accessible for you and opening those up for um, other activities um, such as hunting, um, fishing, uh, recreating, and um, I, it's an honor to be out here um, to talk about such an important issue as, as grizzly bears. And Lane, really appreciate you having me here on your show today. Well, I appreciate you taking time here as uh, you travel uh, up from Washington, D.C. out to Montana to, to have this discussion with these multiple stakeholders and listening to, to the concerns, especially of uh, the livestock and agriculture community that is impacted by uh, the recovered grizzly bear up on Montana's Rocky Mountain front. And we're hopeful that a solution and delisting is in the near future. Again, Aurelia Skip with the director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you, Lane. All right, friends, thanks for tuning in to the LaneCast Ag Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the LaneCast with Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland. For more on Lane, check out his Facebook page, Lane Nordland Ag Broadcaster and NordlandCommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the LaneCast on your Apple or Android devices. We look forward to joining you next time on the LaneCast.